Today is a day where all the Radius churches, it's, it's not all Radius Sunday, but we got what we call all Radius Nugget. All right, so like you, you can go to Chick-fil-A, you can get a chicken sandwich, you can get nuggets, and you just get one nugget today. And so all Radius churches, um, if you're new here, we got six campuses across the Midlands, and occasionally we do some stuff together, and we're doing a little series. Uh, it's, it's our philosophy of ministry. We're calling it My Radius. And we're just reminding, particularly those of y'all that have been here for a while, how and who we are, how we operate and who we are. The way we do that is with a figure eight. If you guys remember, we've got this figure eight that reminds us our philosophy of ministry. This is how we operate. In the middle of that eight is a home. It's your home. We, we really believe that's where everything starts. And if you, you know how the eight works, it's got a little circle that goes up through the top. It goes through the home and it comes up. We call it my world. In essence, that's your radius. We think that's a place that you're responsible. That's something, that, those are people that you ought to care for. And it kind of circles back through your home. And then it's got a bottom loop. You can see it up there. It just says, my church, which is, if you're a part of radius, that's here. And this is a place where you get refreshed. Maybe you're part of a small group. Maybe you're here, obviously, this morning. It's a place that prepares you to come back to home, but also to go back in the world. And we, we just see this thing. Sometimes you make two loops on the top, and sometimes you make two loops on the bottom. But all the health that comes here at Radius starts in your home, in my home. And so it's a really big deal to us. Through the years, one of the things that we've tried to push back against as we think about what our church would be and uh, what we've seen is, is we don't want to just be a place where you're moved on Sunday, right? Where you sing really loud and you feel good about it. Like We, we want you to sing. The students all had their hands. That was great. Like, we want you to participate. I, I hope that occasionally I move you with the word as we talk about it. We do want you to be moved, but the hope is that you eventually be mobilized. So, like, move, but then mobilize. So, so your heart is grabbed maybe on a Sunday or in a small group or uh, meeting at Waffle House with a friend, but eventually then your feet got to move. You got to do something. You gotta be, there's got to be action that comes from that movement of the heart. We did this last week. All the other campuses are here, and for the first time, I was, I was fascinated with Erwin McManus as he unpacked the difference between faith and faithfulness. So what we have right here are a room of folks of all variety of places that we come from. Many of us have known Jesus for a while, and the question really is not have we had these massive faith moments, but have we been faithful? I'll read you what McManus says. Faith is such a big word. Exciting, daring, and magnetic. Faithful is such an ordinary word. It's somewhat dull, routine, and bland. I'm convinced more of us would like to be known by faith or the dramatic, but resist the tedious journey to be faithful. And I got to go ahead and tell you, man, the home is a place of faithfulness. Like uh, Some of y'all raising kids, you say, man, yeah, this is faithful. Tedious? What you talking about, right? They got to begin last night. It's killing me. It's tedious. It's hard work. It's a, it's a grind to raise a family. We've got single folks in the room that, that they're, they're going, man, I don't know what that's like, but what I'm doing has its hard spots. And just to stay true and stay true to what I believe as a single man or woman in my home or single again man or woman, like it's a grind. It's tedious. It takes faithfulness and and really, as I read the scriptures, and we, we transition from this series on faith to this series on my radius, we celebrate here your faithfulness to the Lord. So thank you. Even though sometimes it feels really mundane, 
We're a group of people on a journey that requires faithfulness. If you're a partner here, our 20th birthday party's coming up here in just, uh, in just a few. We throw a big party, right? Like, so if, if you hadn't signed up, you ought to get in. Like, Radius Lexington has always got to lead the way on this. But we, we go up to Lexington High School. We get Sheely's. How good a, I mean, you can't have a better party than that, right? Like, Sheely serves us. And then we celebrate by telling 20 faithful stories from the last 12 months. It'll be all campuses. It'll, it'll grab our mission statement, and we'll, we'll just celebrate. Last year was a blast. This year will be a blast. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, like, the birthday party is not who we are, right? Like, the rest of the year is who we are. It's who we be. I, I always thought with my kids, you know, like, these elaborate birthday parties you rascals throw now. Like, it's crazy. These crazy birthday parties. But, and, and it's fine, and it's good, but, but that doesn't define who the family is or who the home is, Right? It's who they are on the days when there's not a birthday party. It's not the picture of the family that you put on social media that defines who the family is. It's actually who you be when there's no cameras rolling. I always thought what defined my kids the best is when we forgot their birthday. <laughs> you know, like, 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 which we did regularly. <laughs> like, like uh, you got six, but you're going to miss a couple. But anyway, uh, like who, how do they act when there, ain't no, when there isn't a birthday party? Oh, man, I can feel Cheryl in here. I almost said ain't no birthday party. Anyway, uh, let me pray and we'll jump into this passage and talk about our homes. Not exactly sure what you're doing in here this morning, Lord. But I'm bothered by it to some degree. And I really don't know what to do with it. So I pray you'd guide my words as I read this passage and pray you would teach in a way only you can, Holy Spirit. And whatever you're stirring in us, land what you want to land, Lord. Even as I talk about the home, thinking about my home, and this thing that uh, Cheryl and I worked on for all these years, It's good. It's good to look in the mirror. I feel like I had to look in the mirror again last night before I walk up here on the stage. So I pray that you'd meet us all as we examine our homes, whether we be single or married for a long time, um, a student, even a child. I pray that you would speak into us now as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's this passage in the Old Testament. It's in Deuteronomy. Not a book you're going to read a whole lot, most likely. Some of the great scholars in our room probably love some Deuteronomy. Some of y'all use to read it when you can't get to sleep at night, right? Because it'll get you there quick. But chapter 6 is uh, pretty interesting. It would be one of the, probably the most famous passage in the book of Deuteronomy. And if you were a Jewish man or woman, you would absolutely know what I'm about to say. Because it is core to Deuteronomy. Uh, Jewish society, but certainly to Judaism for the last thousands and thousands of years. Families have gotten together and they say the Shema. They say it in the morning and at night every day for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Like as, as Americans, we ain't got that kind of history. They, got, they have thousands of years of history. And since this thing was instituted in Deuteronomy, as God gave it to them, these families would get up and say some of these verses every single day twice. 
really try to sink it into their soul, what the standard for a home is. It's interesting. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I always want to know what's the standard. Tell me what's the standard for a faithful home, and I'll try to get there. The boys are home for a couple weeks, so we've watched two movies in the last 10 days, I think, as a family. The first one was my favorite. I mean, second one was my favorite, Ford versus Ferrari. Anybody seen it? So if you hadn't seen it, what? You hadn't seen it? What are we talking about here? Like, this is this, it's an amazing movie. Uh, Ferrari uh, dominates Le Mans, which is the standard of all racing. That's before NASCAR was big, right? So it's, it's this crazy race. It goes 24 hours through the night in the rain. No matter what, they keep racing, and they get over 200 miles an hour, and Ferrari wins every single year until 1966. <laughs> when Ford got in the race. And we watched the movie every time. There's a part where I, I cry during Ford versus, uh, I don't know what's happening. You're getting old when Ford versus Ferrari makes you cry. But I, I cry. There's, there's this competition, this guy named Carol Shelby. Some of y'all that are old as me, you remember that name, right? Like that, it's connected to Ford. And he goes on this mission to take Ford and make them competitive with Ferrari. It's a long, long story. You, you can watch it sometime, but it's, it's really clear, right, who the standard is. It's Ferrari. And the test is clear, Lamas. We're going to find out if you can meet the standard right there. It takes a lot of humility, which Ford did not have, and it takes hunger. So you had, you, sure, Carol uh, Shelby, uh, he had those things. He was passionate. He wanted to win so bad, and yet he was humble enough to learn from other people. And, and, and really, it's, it's just this amazing story of, of humbleness and hunger as he tried to meet the standard. I need to tell you, as we talk about our homes this morning, and I'm going to tell you, nobody's excluded. If you're 12 in the room, you're included. If, you, if you've got great-grandchildren, you're included. When we talk about the home, it's really about what is the standard, and in order for you to have a great home, there's, it's going to take hunger and humility. And you probably are going to have to identify a family in your radius that you really respect and ask questions. It's the only way you're going to get to where you want to go with that home. It was fascinating in the movie, this, this, uh, these two characters, the two main characters of the movie are just so hungry to get faster, and they drive through the whole movie this, this idea. And that's really how you'll have to be with your home if you want it to be all that it can be. There was a family when I was uh, in my 20s that became the standard. I had a good home. Cheryl had a good home. So that was part of our standard. And there was this family that discipled Cheryl and I as we, we were engaged and got married, and we saw what they did, what they did with their kids, how they followed Jesus, how they loved each other. So that became a part of a standard, and we just we kind of had this standard that's there. And when things start getting off track, I can hear Keith speaking in my ear because I know that I'm not meeting the standard that he set. It's healthy. It hurts at times, but it's healthy. I want that for you. So I want to take a few minutes and take this passage called the Shema and uh, state the standard that is listed in the Scriptures. Let me read it to you. Listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. 
Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You feel the repetition he wants? Shema's just the first two verses. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Pretty cool. Listen, the word for listen in Hebrew is Shema. So that's, they just start the whole um, discourse with that word. And so it's remembered for that first word. Shema in the Bible can mean, it, it means listen, it means hear. As you and I both know, that can mean a variety of things. Sometimes in scriptures when it say, uses the word Shema, it's just talking about hearing. Like you could hear the band just a minute ago. It's your little ears having sound waves come in. Sometimes Shema in the Bible is a little bit stronger. It's like pay attention. Does your mama got a voice that says pay attention? Like she switches to that voice. Usually use your middle name at that point. Like say pay attention to me right now. There's, there's a passage in the Bible where Shema is used like that where Leah, a character in the Old Testament, feels like God heard her. And, and he basically says you heard me. You listened to me. And we say in our society, we say I see you. She's like, God saw me in that moment. Nobody else did, but God did. Sometimes Shema to hear is used in the Bible, and it actually portrays action, like you heard me and you moved. Psalm 27, 7 says, hear me as I pray, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. So hear me, but like do something when you hear me. Like listen to me while your feet are moving as I pray to the Lord. And even more so, uh, in Exodus 19, the word Shema is used twice. Now, if you will obey me and keep my commandment, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth, for all the earth belongs to me. So the NLT says, now, if you will obey me, it actually cheats us a little bit right there. It goes straight to obedience and says nothing about hearing. But in, in the Hebrew, it actually is Shema, Shema. So it's like this intense listen and obey. New American Standard says, obey my voice. Pretty cool. Like The assumption is when you read the word Shema in the Bible that not only are you hearing it in your ears, dads in the room, you know what this is with your kids, like, I know you heard me, but I actually need you to do it. Like, I know you heard me say clean the room, but I actually need the room clean. That, that's kind of where that thing, like, there's this hearing and there's obedience. And when you read in the Old Testament, there's not a Hebrew, the ancient Hebrew language doesn't even have a word for obey. Shema is the word. Listen and obey. It's one word. But then he makes this amazing statement. He says, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. So you got to understand this. The Hebrew people, one nation among many nations, not actually a powerful nation most of the history, all the nations around them had many gods and goddesses. <laughs> and oftentimes, their view of the gods and goddesses, like they had differing opinions. And so you can make one God happy, make the other goddess mad. Like you could never figure it out. It was, it was confusing. It was overwhelming. You couldn't even keep up with the sheer number of gods. And so, so the writer of, of, of Deuteronomy is saying, Moses is saying, we have one God. God alone, NLT says. Other translation says, the Lord is one. He's holding high the one perfect God. We can go to one God who is worth worshiping, but he's also trustworthy. It's, it's who we are. Our nation was founded by our forefathers, and they put together three branches. Some of y'all are into this. I don't want to get you riled up, all right? But there's three branches 
because all those years ago, they knew you couldn't trust anybody. Not a man, not a woman. You couldn't trust one man or woman. So they got three branches. Now we got three branches. You can't trust any of them, but at least they disagree, and it makes the system go slow so they can't screw everything up too fast. Sometimes we get so frustrated because our system is so slow, but our forefathers had great foresight into seeing, hey, if we, we can spread it, if we can make it multiple men and women, then they won't crash it too fast, and it'll give time for some other men and women to come in and go the other direction. You're like, man, my tax dollars are just being wasted because they keep doing this, right? But we're still standing because they didn't trust a man. But what if there was a man, or in our case, our God, one who was consistent, who was always right? who was worth worshiping, and he was trustworthy. What if you could be led by him? What if he led our country? <laughs> Man, it would be great. We could skip this next election, right? Like, I'm, I'm, be, I'm in. Just, just the commercials. I can just do without commercials. Right? Like, like, let's just be led by him. What kind of peace would there be? Well, that's what we call the kingdom of God, and you and I are saying we are under his authority, and that's who we are led by. And the Bible is exclaiming right here, he's saying to the Jewish folks, that's our God, the God alone, just one. And so the Shema, after holding high, who's that? He's the standard. God's the standard. Begins to set a standard for us and how we respond to the standard. Here's how it reads. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You've heard it before. Jesus said it. Some of y'all have heard it many, many times. Some of y'all, this is a grand, brand new idea. There's the word love in there. But you can't help but think all in when you're in love. Uh, there's a word commit in there that feels a little bit like the Pledge of Allegiance. Like I'm pledging allegiance to that one God. But now I'm, how I'm going to execute that Pledge of Allegiance, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to give my life. In, in, in old days, heart, soul, strength, those are massive words, way bigger than we use them today. So when they say heart, they're not talking about this thing inside of you that's, that's pounding away right now. They're, they're talking about like the center of all your understanding. Not how smart you are, not just your intellect. It's bigger than that. It's not your ACT score. It's bigger than that. What y'all make on ACT? I made 1,000 on SAT, so that's a high standard for you guys, right? That's, that's what I made. Got me into Clemson. We were good. Anyway, uh, it's, it's the heart. It's your understanding. When it says soul, it's about your entire personality. So he's saying love the Lord your God with all your intellect and with your entire personality. Some of y'all got bigger personalities than others. We just did meet and greet, and some of y'all went into full personality mode. That's what y'all do, right? Anybody taking the Myers-Briggs? It kind of gives you like... E is extrovert or I is introvert. How many eyes in the room? See, eyes won't even raise their hands. <laughs> how many E's in the room? How many extroverts? Okay, see, that's how it works. That's crazy. If you want a dad joke, every time I take it, I say I'm ESPN. <laughs> it, works. it works perfect. Your heart, your soul, and even this, your strength. Uh, it, it's cool because it doesn't say that you have to be strong, but the strength that you have, you give it to him, even if it's broken. <laughs> Some of us that are in my age category, it's starting to feel a lot less strong. But he's saying, hey, but whatever you got, you're laying it out to God, the one God alone. He's yours. He's the standard. And here's how you worship him. 
You go all in. Um, so when we have this figure eight and we come around, what, what really struck us in the early part of Radius Life was it's going to come down to who the partners are. People are going to come to Radius not because of great preaching, not because of great worship, and certainly not because of a great building. We really wanted them to come because of you, the partners, the people that own this place. And if they were going to come because of you, then that was going to be reflected in your home. And the only way your home was going to change was going to start with you and God, you interacting with the one true God and learning to love him with all of yourself. And so we've been battling that for 20 years. That's why we celebrate every year, because it's a faithful battle. Some of y'all have been here all 20 years, and you, you know there's been up and downs in your times with the Lord, but that is really what we've hoped would draw people to this place and make us a family is what we continue to hope even though we're much larger, will draw people to us. We, in order to stay healthy, it's about us being healthy in our walk with God. And that's supposed to spill over onto the people in our home. It's supposed to impact our home. I think if you're 12 in the room, you're going, that, that, I don't count. This is all about my dad or all about my mom. Nah, at, at, at 12, you got a massive role in your home. If you're connected to your home, you're, you reflect your home. I still remember at I think it was fifth grade, is that 11? How old are you in fifth grade? 11? Um, first cuss word I ever said. I got two back-to-back, -back, matter of fact. I got two back-to-back, -back and I felt it. Like, I felt it affecting my home. It wasn't just about me independently at school because somebody took my bike. I, like, it wasn't just about that. Matter of fact, I got my dad later that night and told him what I did because I felt like I was impacting his home, this thing that he had worked for. And at 12, you're a part of the home. You're in a follower role right now, so your obedience affects the home. It's a massive deal to the mission Radius is on. Like Radius Church, that bottom circle, can only be as healthy as the homes are here. And the world around us, Lexington, most of y'all, 29072, the only, your home is the brightest light in that radius. We love for them to come here, and we, we want to be a light as a church, but your home is a much better place for us to get to the world. And so your walk with the Lord <laughs> impacts that absolutely directly. It gets pretty practical in the passage. It's probably my favorite part. I'm a little bit of a practical type. Repeat them again and again to your children. How about that? I'm looking around the room. We got folks all different categories. Some folks that have known Jesus since they were little boys and girls. Others that learned late after lots of scars and pain. And so we're all different places in our homes, whether you be single, whether you be uh, with, a, with a family, with a husband and wife, right? Or, or whether you be a single parent. All, all these different varieties. We're, we're all here in this room together, doing this together. So you got to pick this up right where it is and ask this question, do I repeat them again and again? If you're a parent to your children, I was reviewing my childhood. Some of y'all grew up going to church. How many times a year did you go to church? Unbelievable amount of times I had to go to church. And back in the day, like, I had to dress up every time. I literally have dressed, I dress up more in a week as a child than I do in a month as an adult. <laughs> I had to put on a little clip-on tie to go to church. Anybody else had to do this? I had to wear a clip-on tie. We were there Sunday school, and then the preaching service, and then we came back Sunday night, 
There weren't many there, but I was there, and then we came back Wednesday. That's four times a week, 52 times a year, 200 times a year. Crazy. At the time, it wasn't so fulfilling, right? But looking back on it, going, man, they, there was a foundation laid in me. Some of it I had to sort out later because there was some law in there. There's a lot of Bible that got laid in me because we were there again and again and again and again. Good lesson for our generation. Generation Z, really good lesson for you. Like, like there's this need to be exposed to the Word of God over and over and over. In this passage, he says, parents, repeat them again and again and again. And then I love it because he gets even more practical and he breaks it down. He says, he says uh, talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. That pretty much covers it, <laughs> right? That's everywhere. So this isn't just about family devotions, though that's a wonderful thing. It's, isn't it crazy, like if you just did a little something before the kids left the house, and a little something if you eat dinner together that includes God, that, that you could get over 600 touches with your kids a year just in those two slots. So it is about family devotions, but it's not only about family devotions. In a society that's always on the move, how are we going to get this done? It's beautiful. Like He just addresses it in the home which could be a devotion time around the table. That was a huge deal for me and Cheryl. We fought for that. Um, but it's also when you watch Ford versus Ferrari and it's over, you got something to say. You can't just let the writers of the movie communicate to your children. You got to say something. Now, oftentimes, Cheryl gives a warning before the movie, gives a warning in the movie, and a warning at the end of the movie. We just try not to get, give, have her give away the plot. Like we, but she wants to teach with whatever's coming into our home, which meant just means this amazing amount, if you're a parent, of alertness of what's going on. When I read the home, I could not help but think how different our younger parents in the room have it than we had it. I read a stat this week that the average teenager is on social media eight hours and 39 minutes a day. What? So, like we read this, and, and if, if maybe you don't know Jesus, you're sitting here, yeah, that's the preacher. He's telling them to brainwash the kids. I'm like, yes, I am. Y'all got him for eight hours and 39 minutes. We're going to say a few things about Jesus at the house. We want him to hear it 600 times. Sounds like nothing compared to eight hours and 39 minutes a day. Now, I tell you, another thing you can do is you can reduce that amount of time exposed to social media. They actually say the preteens are at five and a half hours. So we're not teenagers yet, and we're taking in content that other folks are controlling. I would guess, because I'm a little bit in tune, that that content does not align with the Word of God. And so all that content's coming in, and man, it don't matter how strong you're in taking all that content, it's impossible to stand under. You've got to push back. You've got to repeat over and over and over and over. You've got to come up with a mechanism. Some of you are like, it's too late. No, it's not too late. Come up with a mechanism to repeat it over and over and over, whether you're a grandparent, whether you're a 12-year-old. You got this role to play in the home so that it's healthy. There's a wonderful story in Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, where four young men are taken by a foreign nation, just right out of the Taken movie, right? Like they're, they're taken and um, they try to brainwash them. 
with eight hours and 39 minutes of exposure per day. And Daniel and his boys uh, protest. And they say, no, nah, we really like turnip greens. We're going to eat them, and uh, we're going to only eat vegetables. And there's this great deal. It's a 10-day test that goes on. And, and long story short, they decide to abstain from that intake and focus on what God has asked them to do, assuming that they grew up with their parents having them read the Shema twice a day. It's a crazy story how healthy they were, how set apart they were. I'm going to be straight with you. We, we got a group of students here that are about to go to college that are, they just look different than everybody else because some good parents in here have fought for it. They've repeated over and over and over the truths about Jesus, and it puts, puts them in a really spiritual, healthy spot going forward. We want that for all the families here at Radius. It says uh, more than just at home, though, uh, on the road. Now, assuming back in the day they walked everywhere. That's about how fast they were going. So kids, man, it would have been. If your mama gets on the lecture, she got like two hours to get it done. Like, she's on. Like, you just got to listen. But even today, man, the car line is, is a great place to pray about the day. Great moment to prepare your kid for what he's about to walk into if he's going to school. Great time to listen to something together, which means said device has to turn upside down for a little bit. For you too, mom. Right? Or dad. But for them, in order to do this together, you can listen to something on the radio and, and do it together in that moment. Bedtime. I don't know what it is about little kids, but you give them three minutes, they'll memorize anything you want. Like, like I'll give you three more minutes, you memorize John 3.16. Yes, sir. I'm in. Like, it's, a, it's this great time of night where kids will do anything to stay up later, but older they get, it's still a vulnerable time. Some of our great regrets were... Our daughter still tells us we shouldn't have put the phone in her room, right? All she had, all she could do was text. They didn't have all the stuff y'all got today, but it was just distracting. It stole her peace. People had access to her that shouldn't have had access to her in, in the evening, right? And it's just, a, just a text, but she just needed some peace before bed because it's a vulnerable time. You want to send your kid to bed peaceful, right? Doesn't it seem strange that if we believe that the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, that we wouldn't even mention him before everybody leaves the house. It just seems strange. It's confusing. It makes you wonder, is it even true if you're a kid, if we never even mention him? And it's so easy to get caught flying through life and let our homes lose their ways, right? This is our reminder at Radius. Radius is, is fully standing on your home. In my home. And this is a great time for us all to look in the mirror and go, what does it look like? And you're going single. Again, don't, don't check out if you're single or a grandparent. Grandparent, you might be the primary voice, spiritual voice in your grandkids' voice, but you also might be the secondary. And we got to figure out how to be the secondary when you used to be in the primary. If you're single, just to remind you, there's a dude that wrote 13 books of the New Testament. He kind of was a player. In, in scripture, in, in writing scripture. His name's Paul. He was single. This is all kind of work for you to do for the kingdom. It's not that you're waiting to be fulfilled, though that can, that, that can be weighty. It's, it's this opportunity to take that season, as Paul would say, and leverage the extra hours. I just scanned in the room. I see single folks in our room that love their radius like no other with the extra hours that they have. 
their home just is magnified in the people around them. Thank you guys for doing that. That's who we are. That's what we're doing. All right, so we watched the second movie. I'm a little embarrassed to tell you what it is. Guess who chose it? Cheryl. Malachi watched it. JT watched it. We watched Little Women. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, fellas, it was actually decent. It was actually decent. I mean, it ain't no Ford versus Ferrari, but like it was, it was decent. And there was this, I, I actually teared up during Little Women when the mom, the father was away at war, the mom with a bunch of girls at the house. It's Christmas. They've got this massive Christmas movie. You seen it? You seen this scene? She comes in the house. She comes down for Christmas morning breakfast, and the girls walk in. I have one girl and a wife. That's my total exposure to girls. Now my grandkids, if you buy donuts... It is on. I don't know what it is about my granddaughters, but donuts, like, make life wonderful. I have a wife like that. I have a daughter like that. Donuts, is, so they got donuts on the table, and the girls come in, their eyes are big, and the mom looks at them and goes, we're going to take this to the poor neighbors down the street. And the girl's like, it, it's beautiful for those of you that are students in the room, because the girl's like, they're following their mom, but they don't want to follow their mom, so their eyes roll, but they still do what they're supposed to do. And they carry it down, they take it to a poor family. And it just shows the joy of the generosity as opposed to the joy of intake of donuts. So when you read this passage and it says, it says again and again, it's not just about family devotions. It's about living it. It's about putting your kids in a spot where they get to see you do something. It's not just about talking about God on the road. Sometimes that means helping somebody while you're on the road. You got a bunch of boys like me, and somebody's stranded, you're pretty good at pushing stuff. Like, like you, you get out and you do something. At your home, it's not just about what happens in your home, it's about your neighborhood. All this teaching that can go on in your home is just, it's dynamic. It's not just on a page. That's where the power is. We're going to do that as a family at Radius. You'll get one of these on the way out the door. We're calling it Project PB&J. Um, Leave it to radius, right? Like this, the, I didn't come up with this, so don't hold me accountable. But this Project PB&J, it's, it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I really wanted to have some GIF in the lobby, and I, went, I decided against it. But we're all going to take, over the next two weeks, one meal, and we're going to donate the money, and we're going to take that money, and we're going to give it away in our community. So like, I'm not going to go to uh, Kava one day. I'm going to scan this code. It's going to charge me $12.99 or whatever kava. Like, you get to choose, right? Like, man, you go somewhere nice. You can put $100 in there if you want. But, like, it's a, it's a $12.99 idea, and we're going to pool. Like, we'll probably have 3,000 people at a Radius Church this morning. Every Radius Church is doing this. So we're going to pool all that money, and then we're going to distribute. I'm actually negotiating every church. Our ch- churches are negotiating with businesses in town so that we can double the money. It's just, this is what we do. So at some point, when you go out the door, you did this, you scan it on your phone. It takes me a while to get all that figured out. And you, uh, $12.99, like $12.99, we're going to put it in a pot and we're going to give somebody else. But we'll be really cool if you lead a family, just do it as a family. Chick-fil-A night, kids with PB&J tonight. And you, uh, pastor told me, pastor told me we had to do this. You can do that. It's, a, it's just a chance to land the concepts of the scripture in a real form. I'm out of time. So when you think about the Shema and the family, the question is, uh, are you willing to have a standard? Or are you the standard? (laughs) Like, are you going to determine what it is? That's what Eve wanted to do in the garden. Satan convinced Eve that she was the standard. Whereas 
and stole her soul. So the question is whether you and I will be humble and hungry enough to allow a standard to be established for us. This, this is pretty amazing. I've been meditating on the Psalms. The end of Psalm 139, we sing a song about it. There's one line in there that's really struck me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. It takes humility to say this. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. I've been meditating on that for days. Like, know my heart, and then he's going to say, point out anything in me that offends you. That makes sense, because i got stuff in there that offends him. I know I, I, I've sinned in my life. But what about my anxious thoughts? Where are they coming from? Why are they there? Meet me in them. It's, it's a great line. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. It's an amazing song that reaches out to God and says, hey, show me me in relation to the standard. Really love for you to do that with your home today. Again, all different looking homes in this room. But take the standard, God, and look at your home in relation to it. And if you're, if you're willing, as I pray here in just a second, ask him to show you the truth about it. Last night, Cheryl told me some truth about our home. It related directly to me. Something I need to change. In the moment, I want to push back. Anybody else? Like, I'm, I'm Johnny Cochran, and I need to be, right? Like, I can, I can argue with the best of them. But uh, give me a couple hours, and a lot of times it lands. I'm like, yeah, that would make our home better. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, your home makes radius, the church and the mission. So we'll do that together. I'll close with this. I've been saying the whole time, I don't know if you notice, I've been saying know the standard. I actually know the standard. Jesus is the standard. And I know him as my Savior. So despite the fact that he set the bar so high, I could never meet it. I could never love him with all my heart, soul, and strength, right? I could never get all the way there. He made a way for me by dying as the standard, perfect in his death. He was able to shed his blood and have his body broken so that I could come in here and feel comfortable and confident in the presence of God because the standard died so I could meet the standard. So we are a group of people full of joy because despite our struggles and our fight to get our homes right and our desire to take another step that way by looking in the mirror, we, we come in here accepted by the living God because he made us. He paid the ransom for us, made us paid in full. I meet standard. Crazy knowing myself. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, you know us. Our homes get to our heart really quick. Scanning the room, I see friends and folks that I don't know that just examining what's going on in their own lives and with the people living in their own house. Some of them longing for peace. Others of them just really tired. Some of them being overwhelmed by the new rhythms, the new schedule. Meet us in these minutes as we sing this song. We declare that you're the one and only God. You're the one true God. And we want our homes to align with you. Meet us in these moments. Or if you want to point something out to any of us, like you pointed out to me last night, please speak into our room. But certainly, Jesus, we want to 
take a few minutes and worship you for making us welcome in your perfect Father's presence. Listen to us as we sing, Jesus. Amen.